Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed below and you'll get notified of the latest Buzzcast. Today, we'll be speaking with Joan Trice, CEO of Altera Group, and Thomas Wade, the Director of Financial Services and Housing Policy at the American Action Forum, a center-right think tank in Washington, D.C. We'll be talking about the future of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and what it means for the appraisal and valuation industry. Joan, I'll hand it off to you. Thank you, and welcome, Thomas. It's good to virtually see you again and share a little bit with our audience about what your think tank does and specifically what you do. So we are, a, as uh, Jim kindly said, a center-right think tank based in Washington, D.C. that focuses very much on the economy. We don't touch social issues at all. And the the question Doug Holtz-Aiken, former CBO director, who set up the AAF, really set out to answer was, sure, that's great, but at what cost? So every day I come in and I say, fine, the federal government, but at what cost? Uh, my specific focus is on financial services and housing. And for the last couple of years, my bugbear has been returning the GSEs to the private market. Wow. All right. Well, then let's start. Either, either that or burning them to the ground. But, you know, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, let's, that's an incendiary, pardon the pun, um, <laughs> statement. Yeah, I couldn't resist. Thanks for setting me up for that. <laughs> So let's talk about, obviously, most are aware by now that uh, Mark Calabria has been ousted and we have an acting director at FHFA. What does this mean? What does this mean or how did we get here? Which would you rather do? Well, let's, let's start with how did we get here? Brilliant. Okay, so essentially, uh, we're going to take you back very slightly to the 2007-2008 financial crisis. The Obama administration, uh, this provoked an enormous regulatory response. The Dodd-Frank Act is, you may have heard of, is the most controversial aspect of this. But in the same time frame, the Obama administration created two brand new federal uh, agencies, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in 2011 and the Federal Housing Finance Agency in 2008. And the FHFA was created to uh, consolidate housing oversight and the regulatory response to the housing market, and also to oversee what then became the government-sponsored enterprises Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Now, what made the reason why I mentioned the CFPB and the FHFA in the same breath is what made them really interesting was the way the Obama administration constructed them to be, I think the phrase they used was shielded from political influence, whatever that means, and we don't need to discuss that. But structurally, what that ended up resulting in was a couple of very, very unique agencies. First of all, they were led by a single director by comparison to, say, the Securities Exchange Commission, which is led by a five-person bipartisan board. Second, that single director could only be fired for cause, i.e. not at the will or whim of the president and had five-year terms that would, you know, extend beyond a particular administration's run. Uh, and thirdly, sort of less relevantly, both of these uh, agencies were designed to be funded outside of the typical uh, appropriations process. So very, very odd unique beings here in D.C. And pretty much from that moment, from the get-go, it were years of debate as to the constitutionality of both agencies. In June last year and in June this year, the Supreme Court, in two entirely separate decisions, finally uh, came up with the answer, which is that the governance structure of both agencies is unconstitutional. 
And so this was the decision uh, only a month or so ago that led to President Biden asking Director Mark Calabro to stand down because the Supreme Court ruled that this single director structure who could only be fired for courts was not constitutional. And so this is the reason why we're in such a tremendously interesting juncture, not just because it's a relatively new administration, but also because we have to look ahead to where the FHFA will go from here. Interesting. All right. Well, that obviously needs to the next question. You just posed it. Where do we go from here? So the question is really for whom, but before maybe we drill into the detail, let's talk about the the overarching implications. First of all, what is the backdrop this is against? Two things. First of all, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you, we're looking at historically high housing prices, up on about 15% from last year, rents, Uh, for the first six months of the year were triple what they normally are. One thing I found really interesting is that nationally, a house will now typically remain on the market for only 17 days. So first of all, we have an extremely hot housing market that the new Biden appointee, whoever it is, uh, will be inheriting. And the second uh, background context point is the fact that the new confirmed head of the FHFA will be inheriting what is a housing market that has been intentionally distorted by COVID-related regulatory mechanisms. So the most obvious one is the eviction moratoria. So this is a very hot and regulatory distorted environment that this person, whoever they are, will be inheriting. Given that it will be a Biden uh, a Biden administration appointee, without even knowing who they are, there are a couple of things we can expect to see, again, at the highest level. We can expect to see an FHFA that will uh, take a far more interventionist stance. So this is a expanded FHFA with a larger footprint in the market, seeking to meet Uh, Biden administration goals such as affordable housing, uh, reducing artificially the prices of new houses generally, meeting environment goals. We may or may not see further amendments to the net worth sweep, which we can discuss if you're interested in. One thing in particular that I find really fascinating is I've always been very interested in following the qualified mortgage argument. This is the set of rules or the QM patch, which allows the FHFA or the GSEs to lend to consumers who have a a debt to income ratio exceeding 43%. So this is a CFPB rule, actually, somewhat coincidentally, that seeks to protect the most vulnerable borrowers from entering into mortgages at all. But for years, the FHFA has had an express exemption from that rule. And that's hugely controversial because on the one hand, we're getting Americans into housing, which is such an important step for economic security and the American dream. But at the same time here at the AEF, we have the somewhat unpopular opinion that there is a portion of the population who should not be in housing or should not have mortgages uh, because it doesn't make sense for their financial position. So it's going to be really interesting to see how a Biden administration appointee will come Handle into that, that exactly yeah. come into well, that QM let's argument. do this that's that, that's a sticky topic that i really want to dive into because it it's intriguing to me but let's do this let's break for a commercial message and when we come back let's talk about the QM patch of course thanks joan appraisers stop waiting 30 plus days to get paid on your appraisal invoices Cicada Capital is a simple and secure payment platform that improves your cash flow and reduces the time you have to spend on paperwork and making collection calls. 
The process is simple. After the initial account setup, simply submit your invoices to Cicada Capital instead of your AMC or lender, and you'll receive payment the next business day, while Cicada Capital collects the payment from your AMC or lender, leaving you with more time to do what you want to do. For additional questions or to set up your account and get paid faster, call Cicada Capital Support Team at 208-953-7234. That's 208-953-7234, or email them at support at cicadie.com. Joan, back to you. Thank you, Jim. So let's talk about, the, first of all, share with our audience what the QM patch is. But my question for you is, you know, I've been bothered by this myself from the get-go. And that is, you know, we seem to have had collective amnesia that, Dodd-Frank came about because of predatory lending practices. And that's how we ended up with the CFPB to protect the consumer from predatory lending. But we made an exemption to allow people with really high debt to continue to buy mortgages, that, uh, to have mortgages that they can't afford. That, that is not helpful. That does not help the affordable housing sector. It's smoke and mirrors. And I think it's a dangerous path. But now I'm putting words in into your, you're the expert. Joan, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I do wonder if at some point on a definitional level, it can't be predatory lending if it's the government doing it. But <laughs> we can table that conversation for another time. So uh, exactly as you say, uh, the QM patch was created to allow the GSEs and the FHFA to circumvent CFPV rules, preventing those with a really, really high debt from you know getting mortgages. And to be absolutely clear, we're not saying these people should not be in homes, should not be in housing. We're saying these people should not necessarily be in a traditional mortgage because they're at a higher risk of default. And that's not good for any And so it doesn't make it that much sense to me that the QM patch was developed to allow Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to meet these affordable housing goals, to meet these LMI housing goals by putting these people in homes. And for years, we've gone backwards and forwards. And I I think it was a really one of the uh, more impressive things about the Kraninger CFPB that we got to this position where we uh, it was announced was it last year or the year before that the QM patch would be allowed to expire. Oh. The current position is that the QM patch was going to be allowed to sunset or expire, but has been extended to at least next year. And that's why it's such a fascinating time, because at the point where that decision has to be made, we're going to see a new director at the FHFA and a new director at the CFPB. And it's going to be so fascinating to see what direction they take it in. But if I had to put money on it, I'd suggest that the QM patch will be allowed to continue to meet those affordable housing goals. Interesting. Well, let's take another quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk about the privatization of Fannie and Freddie. And is that a Biden uh, administration? Is that on their agenda or not? Jim? Thanks, Joan. In uncertain times, you need a certain partner. You don't have to sacrifice top-notch coverage for an affordable premium. Intercorp has all the options and is sure to have just the right one to fit your specific needs. They provide the appraisal profession with competitive best-in-class E&O coverage solutions nationwide. Having served the insurance needs of the industry for more than 25 years, Intercorp understands the risks you face every day. Whether you're an individual appraiser, appraisal firm, residential or commercial, or an AMC, 
Visit intercorpinc.net to get a competitive quote today. Joan? Thank you, Jim. So, Thomas, I mean, what are what are your thoughts on what the Biden administration is signaling as on their agenda for Fannie and Freddie? Apologies, Jane. Can I send you on one quick detour first? Yes. Um, you, you did a great job. You jumped straight to my third thought. But let's just, qu- let's just quickly linger on that second one for a moment, which is what does an expanded FHFA, an expanded role for the GSEs in the housing market actually mean? What it means is far, far more risk. So before we even get to the conversation about privatization for the GSEs or GSE reform writ large, let's first consider the fact that, of course, I'm uh, crystal ball gazing here, but it seems very, very likely that the Biden administration will use the FHFA to meet affordable housing goals, to meet environment goals, all of which means the uh, FHFA will necessarily expand its role and its salience in the housing market. And so when I look at the work Director Calabria did, he very famously, when he inherited the FHFA directorship, the GSEs were leveraged 1,000 to 1, and by the end of his tenure, got it down to 250 to 1, which just made us budget hawks very happy over yeah. here. Yeah. Because although uh, I think the role of predatory lending in the 2007-2008 financial crisis is overstated and a conversation we could have another time, uh, it, it, it is without a doubt that the GSEs, or then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, had a role in the housing finance crisis. And my fear is that... As they uh, get more leverage, they get larger, they get riskier, we're working towards a position where the next time there is a housing crisis, a housing crunch, we can't put the GSEs into conservatorship if they are currently there. I'm nervous about what this means for the GSEs going forward. And so uh, apologies, derailed you there very slightly, but I just want to make it clear that this is why GSE reform is more urgent than ever. But my suspicion is that the Biden administration will go in completely the opposite direction. Okay, so my observation, Thomas, is, you know, we had a lot of no doc loans made uh, in the run up to the crisis. And it's it doesn't earn me any brownie points with my and I do have friends at the GSCs. I know it's uh, uh, hard to maintain a balance here, but in, in all fairness, I think what we're now doing, you know, what we previously did on the credit side, we are now doing on the collateral side. We have fifty percent of all loans flowing through the GSCs are getting waiver appraisal waivers. Yes, and. To me, too soon to tell if there is risk injected because of the lack of the sort of guardrails that an appraisal serves uh, to the housing finance system. But to me, that's just no doc appraisals. And I'm what I'm more bothered by than than the risk, because that's an unknown at the moment is the disparate treatment issue. Only rich people, and and I've been criticized for using the term rich, can get a waiver. The affordable housing, let's put it this way, the affordable housing sector, clearly they're not getting the benefits of a waiver. And then during COVID, when lots of people were refinancing the service sector, they didn't have jobs. They couldn't refinance. So what that's done is 
is expanded the wealth gap because the rich have been able to leverage the low interest rates and affordable housing sector is still stuck, you know, with maybe a mortgage that's twice what somebody, a rate twice what somebody was able to refinance. So as you suggested a few minutes ago, we've kind of painted ourselves in a corner. Exactly. And, and we're kind of running out of ammunition to fight any downturn that is inevitable. When? I don't know. But, you know, let's let's do some crystal ball gazing. What do you, what do you again, what do you think all that means? So, uh, unfortunately, it's difficult to know at this point. Apologies yeah. for, for getting out of it with that. But if I can just like, really position it so that if you think about what Director Calabria did and First of all, I think Mark deserves more credit for taking us further along the path of GSE reform than any administration or any Congress in the last decade. It was extraordinarily impressive and I think desperately necessary. But what was really interesting was that it was very, very obvious for Director Calabria that his position was that whatever GSE reform happened and whatever that looked like, the necessary preliminary step was that the GSEs be appropriately capitalized before they be reformed or released into the wild. And so his his entire, he was almost sort of monofocused on, in addition to reducing the risk that the GSEs pose and narrowing their product offer, offerings and things like that, his entire bugbear was rebuilding capital at the GSEs. And the thing that I find quite fascinating about that is that uh, if you meet Mark, you know that that was very much a personal mission of his. And it's unusual to see one person direct something as important as GSE reform over the last year. And that, I think, demonstrates how important the role of FHFA director is. And so I think with the um, with the White House report and with Director Mark Labria's uh, efforts on the, the capital rule and recapitalizing the GSEs, we put ourselves in the best possible position for GSE reform, but it's still really not that clear what that is or what that looks like. Uh, I could tell you what I would love the end result to be, but it is still difficult to work out how we get there and how we extricate the GSEs from the market or undo the 10 years of government funding advantage that they've had so that it can be a competitive housing market. And so what I think, uh, in a way, what GSE reform needs is what it has always needed over the last 10 years is a very, very clearly articulated vision for what housing in America should look like over the next 20 years. And uh, Director Calabria is the only person to have done that at any point in the last decade. And so whether it comes, because it it was impressive that the White House report uh, did seem to come from Secretary Mnuchin at the time, but we very much need that one individual, whether it's an FHFA director or whether it's President Biden or someone in in the executive office to say, this is where we need to go and uh, and leave it up to the agencies and the FHFA how to get there. I think it is very unlikely that we will see that. Yes. Okay. So let's break for one more message. And then uh, when we come back, Thomas, because I want you to think about this while we're on break. <laughs> what is your vision of how you think Fannie and Freddie should look? Okay, Jim. Thanks, John. ProxyPix is the first of its kind on-demand system for getting location-specific media you need from wherever you are. 
Their simple-to-use platform creates an online marketplace matching people needing property photos with proxies or data collectors near the requested location. Through crowdsourcing, you can get current up-to-date photos of anything on the map within hours, if not minutes. Never before has it been quicker or simpler to get the property photos that you need. Sign up at proxypix.com or download our ProxyPix app available on the Apple and Google Play Store. Okay, thank you, Jim. So, Thomas, where, do, where, where would you like, what would you like the future to look like? The GSEs, I, I alluded to it at the start, but I think burning them to the ground is an option. And uh, I don't know how it is for you, Joan, but it's 100 degrees in DC today, so it doesn't feel like it would need a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but slightly less flippantly, our concern uh, here at the AF, my concern has always been uh, twofold. The first, that the GSEs have this implied line of credit, that they are in conservatorship. So uh, ideal goal number one would be to have a, a purely private housing market and have the GSEs be released into the private sector in whatever form. To, to my mind, that's almost more important than anything else. I don't want to say because I know there will be another crisis and the GSEs will have to be taken back into conservatorship again, because that is deeply pessimistic and not particularly helpful. But I would like to have at least that nuclear option available. And of course, conservatorship was never intended to be permanent. It's, it's, the clue is in the title and a decade yeah. on, we're still here. So number one would be privatizing the GSEs. Number two would be how do we create and empower the housing market to be as effective as it can be? And the key to this, as the White House made clear in its report, is good competition. And so whether that is maybe moving towards what they call the utilities model, where we just have a couple of extra GSEs, because the problem we have with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would arguably diminish were there to be four, five, six, however many. But let me let me let me interrupt for a minute. What's the what are the pros and cons of condensing them into one? Because it's been said by actually friends of mine inside the GSCs that there's only one thing worse than a monopoly. Is it duopoly? Duopoly, exactly. <laughs> so what are the pros and cons of having mini GSCs regionally around the country versus one? It, it's it's fascinating you say that, and uh, certainly I think one of the reform proposals had moving a lot of the book from the GSEs into Ginny May, and I remember when that came across my desk, and I, I thought, what would that change? What would that help? What would that fix? The answer is not a lot that I'm aware of, but again, we can table that conversation for another time. The key is, ideally, we would be in a position where the GSEs were entirely private, but as it is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, there isn't a heck of a lot of competition happening there. And were we to have, say, for instance, regional GSEs, they could do one of two things. They could either better focus on regional issues and offer regional products better tailored to the needs of those regions, or we could have something approaching actual free market competition, which would make the GSEs, well, in theory, competition would make them far more nimble and responsive to the needs of the market and the needs of the consumers. Excellent. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Thomas, and I hope to have you invite you back and uh, in the future and we can continue this as, as events unfold. Thank you again. Thank you, Jen.
Thank you, Joan and Thomas. That was a great conversation. I know that our listeners are going to be excited for it. And Thomas, we'll definitely have to have you back in the future when they have the new director appointed and we'll get more information. And thanks thanks to our listeners for joining us, as well as the sponsors who help us to keep put these, putting these together for you. If you have an idea for a future Buzzcast or would like to be interviewed, reach out to us at info at appraisalbuzz.com and head over to the forums at appraisalbuzz.com and let us know how you feel about today's episode. Have a great day.